the title of today's message is it is written it is written and so and you know what what we are talking about it's what the temptations of Jesus Christ and how Jesus fought the enemy by using just one word all the time it says it is written it is written and the subtitle is overcoming in a world of deception overcoming in a world of deception i want you to go to matthew chapter 4 uh, there are two passages which talk about the temptation of jesus christ matthew chapter 4 and luke chapter 4 both the chapters are good but i let's go to luke chapter 4 because luke is more orderly in its in its explanation luke was a physician so he in fact he starts the gospel by saying I start I'm writing this gospel because I want to give an orderly account. Remember that? He wants to give an orderly account. He doesn't want to give something happened before, something happened later. He wants to give a very orderly account. And Luke's gospel is very orderly. Starts with the birth of Jesus, goes in a very simple, very straight. So, even this the temptations of Jesus, the order is correct in Luke, unlike in Matthew. Matthew was not about the order. Matthew was more about revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Luke was about order. I want to give you the exact sequence of events as it happened. So let's go to Luke chapter 4 verses 1 to 13. So can somebody read that? Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority is given to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Okay. Before we go into the temptations of Jesus. Uh, and we'll go that in pretty detail today because you you going to understand some real truths the way the enemy attacks you is satan is a creature of instinct let me repeat satan is a creature of instinct he uses things by habit he uses the same things over and over again so when he comes next time you know that he's coming with his own habit so he is he, let's let me put it he is not spiritual because he is a dead spirit how many of you know that he is spiritual but he is dead right his spirit is dead so he 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 operates 
at the level of a dead spirit and the way he operates is by what he sees and hears he does not operate by revelation you see we as believers operate by revelation but satan does not satan does not operate by revelation he is dead so he operates by what he sees and hears so he operates as very instinctive creature so if you know his tactics and the way he operates you can win against him every time you can win against him every time so before even before without going into too much detail let me go back into the things the way he operates is using three techniques and i want you to remember this this is consistent he operates by first lust of the lust of the flesh second lust of the eyes number 3 the pride of life so the three methods that he uses is lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and pride of life this is how satan always operates even in this temptation you will see that but more importantly let's go to first john chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 first john chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 and that this is old fashioned christianity if you you might say but it has not changed from generations it says do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all this is in the world what the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life what what how uh, how do you read it further okay. uh, all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world and the world passes away and the lust thereof but he who does the will of god abides forever okay the whole world and its economy runs on these three wheels seriously i mean just think about it the whole world and its whole economy runs on lust of the eyes lust of the flesh and the pride of life jill jill is a communications manager and i and i know that when i was in product management we were told to use these motivations you know self esteem <laughs> uh desire for things as advertising means the whole economy runs on this everything runs on lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life this is how the system is built on we cannot help it the whole economy runs but the bible says that this economy and this world is passing away is passing away so we as believers have to operate by something else and we can because the bible says that we are in the world but we are not of the world so we can operate but but the funny part is the enemy does not know anything else to use so he will always use what the economics the the world system is this three system now now hold hold with this thought right now okay so we studied in first john he talks about these three now let's go to mark chapter 4 verses 13 to 20 and we had studied about this passage long time back it's a classic ex- parable of where jesus explains how satan operates unmask we studied about the session called unmasking satan strategies this is the whole chapter is about that remember this uh, the sower sows the seed parable and he says and satan ex- uh, and jesus explains the parable and says how this whole parable is about how satan 
steals the word. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. And we don't, we don't have to read it, but I want you to go to uh, verse 18 and 19. Can somebody read that? Mark chapter 4. expand on it but you can go back and read it this whole parable is about how Satan comes to do what steal what the word Satan comes to do what steal the word his only job as a believer is he's not after your health seriously he's not after your family no he's not after because you're great you're not he's not after you because you are talented. He is not after you because you are a zealous person for the kingdom. No, 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 no. He is not after any, any of that. He is only after one thing in your life. And that is the word of God in your life. Because if he knows that if he can steal that, he doesn't care how talented you are, how wealthy you are, how powerful you are, how anointed you are. He doesn't care because he knows that if the word is stolen from your heart, you are going to be destroyed. Let me, let me repeat, the most powerful force in this universe is the word of God. If it is the most powerful force in the universe, it is the most powerful force in your life. So if you do not have the word of God in your life, it will not produce and not, you will not be successful. You cannot let enemies steal the word. Now let me, so we are not even sustaining that, but look at what, what chokes the word. What is the verse? Verse 18. The deceitfulness of riches. So what is that? Trickery of the riches. The riches what, what the riches supposedly Supposed are. to be. Yeah. So, so, so how does it fit with the lust of what? Lust of eyes. Everything that riches bring is for what? To see. Deceitfulness of riches is what your eyes think is good and great and beautiful. Deceitful of written. Lust of the eyes. Second. Cares of the world. What is cares of the world? Lust of the flesh. Everything that your flesh needs to live in this world. It, that brings about cares. Your food, your clothing, your housing, your shelter. It's the lust of the flesh. It needs to be satisfied. It cannot live without that. Okay? Number three. What is the final one? The desires for other things. What other things? Honor. Wisdom. Pride. So everything is about pride of life. So again, it's back to the three concepts of the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hold that thought. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Let's go back to the first temptation. Genesis chapter 3, verses, verse 6. Can somebody read that? Shouldn't a woman read that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, we need volunteers. So which <laughs> woman? <laughs> Okay, so what do we see out there? Yeah, let's 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 go back. What's the first one? Saw that the tree was good for food. Lost of the eyes. Second. Sorry, it was it was good for food. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. I need to be satisfied. My flesh needs food. It looks good for food. Lust of the flesh. Second. Oh, it looks beautiful. I wish it is in my backyard, right? It was in your backyard. It was, but hey, in my corner. <laughs> it looks like it's in Adam's corner. I want it in my corner. You know, lust of, lust of the eyes. What is the final one? Make one wise. I want to be wiser than God. I want to be, I want to be greater than God. It's a pride of life. So it's consistent again. <coughs> lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Okay. So we know that. So again, Satan is a creature of habit. He will bring back the same temptations again and again. The same things. The channels of temptation are no different than it was with. The first man, Adam. It's the same even today. So he doesn't change just because the things. So now it may be an iPhone. So now it might be a house. Now it may be something else. But it has to flow through these three channels. Okay, let's go back to the temptations of Jesus. Luke chapter four. Here was Jesus 40, 40 days in the wilderness. Now, and the Bible says that 40 days he was tempted. It was not like this, these were the only three temptations. So 40 days he was tempted, but and these these three were the final last temptations that was worth 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 mentioning. So being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered and said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, after 40 days of fasting, everything looks like cheesecake. You know, I mean, everything, every rock looks like bread. So it was real temptation out there. I mean, I, I, initially when I first read about this passage, and I always read it before, it's, Always like looks like it's a very spiritual temptation. It is a, a spiritual temptation, but even at a very ordinary level, a hungry man after forty days in the Judean wilderness, the rocks, those brown baked rocks, look like bread. It's almost like I can I, I can I can handle that. I can convert this into bread. You know, the, I, and I need bread at this time, isn't it? He needed bread. He was hungry. 
there was nothing intrinsically wrong with the temptation because he needed bread now that brings to the whole question is satan always tempts you with things that you eventually need now we need to go back and look at it but he also is saying that he's questioning your authority yes we are coming to different layers out here the first layer is there was need for bread correct 40 days jesus fasted and almost ended his fast had ended 40 days he had fasted and he was hungry but the food did not appear correct there was no food but those rocks were there they look good they look round <laughs> they look baked it's a question of just transforming them into bread i can do that i'm the son of god i can do that okay so he was genuinely tempted tempted to turn those stones into bread genuinely tempted so it was not like a creature in horrible cape and uh, horns on his head evil looking comes out there and says turn those stones into bread no 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 it was internal it was internal to jesus those voices were real you can do it the bread is there you have a need out here you can turn it into bread you can do it so jesus say jesus does not do it and the question is why why doesn't he not do it because he was challenging his deity yeah but but he, there was a need for bread right anthony but he didn't come on he didn't bring the bread satan didn't deliver the bread correct he tried to use his power and his authority to get him to do what satan wanted him to do and jesus denies it you don't you don't have any authority over me i'm not doing it because you want me to right i am the son of god and i don't need to prove it to anybody right so my sustenance comes from the word of god which correct. you are now refuting Correct. He was challenging his deityship and the word of God and his ultimate identity. Identity. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. A lot of truths in that. A lot of truths in what he said. Look at the words he said. If you are the son of God, <coughs> command the stone to become bread. There was need for bread at this point of time in Jesus' life. There was nothing wrong with it. Did Jesus finally get bread? He did. He did. You know who delivered bread? who delivered bread angels angels ministered to them what ministry is he talking about to a hungry man the bread food all fashion burgers angels brought food they ministered in all aspects he was no more hungry because he got bread there was a need for bread but satan was telling if you are the son of god turn this into bread and jesus didn't convert it into bread for two reasons number one what is the first reason i just said that to me said i do not want to doubt god's word let me repeat jesus is saying to satan i do not want to doubt god's word what word what word that i am the son of god yeah. how what word when did that word come four verses before yeah. just four verses before jesus was standing uh, with uh, john the baptist and the word of god came to him and said behold 
this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He had received the word. Now it was for him as an ordinary human being. Remember, you know, I was thinking about it and this is true and I want you to get it. Jesus growing up did not intrinsically know that he was God. No. He had to learn it through the scripture. Philippians talks about it. He became obedient. He had, devo- he had devoid himself of his godliness when he came on earth. So he had to learn from the scripture saying that he was God. He had to learn from the scripture knowing that he was God. He had to hear from his mom saying that the angel told me that you are the son of God. He had to learn it and he had to believe it to the extent that when the voice finally came and told, I don't care whether you did any miracle. I don't care whether you did any healing. I don't care. I love you. You're my son and I'm well pleased. Wow. And Jesus had to believe it. And Jesus didn't have anything to prove it. Jesus had not done a single miracle. How do we know that? John chapter 4, around that, talks about that the the beginning of the signs of the miracles was at Cana. And that was after this, after he had already finished the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So he had nothing to prove himself to himself that he was the Son of God. Nothing that he could... There are stories about that, how Jesus as a young boy elongated a piece of wood for his father. That is... Baloney. A board stretcher. A board stretcher. He did not do anything because the Bible says so. So for him it was difficult to prove to himself. So he had his doubts. Let me repeat. Jesus genuinely doubted whether he was a son of God. He genuinely doubted. That is why it was a temptation. It is not a temptation when there was no need to be doubted. He was genuinely doubted whether he was the son of God. But he knew what? I cannot doubt my father's word. My father told me just a few verses back that I am the son of God. I'm not going to doubt it. Number one. Number two. Why did he t- did not turn it to bread? Number two. I, what is the first thing? I do not doubt his word. I want you to remember as a believer, man, if anything, everything goes wrong around your life, remember last time's message, revelation precedes manifestation. So there will be a season in your life when you may not see everything that you believe for, correct? Yes or no? Have you gone through that? Yeah, I've gone through that. We don't, we don't see what you manifested for, what you are believing for, but it doesn't change the fact that my father said so. Amen? So I'm not going to believe, I mean, Arun Marsha, man, classic, you all guys had the word before it manifested, right? But you believe. I don't care whether the baby appears, but I'm believing for it, right? The Bible says and the word says, so I'm going to believe. Everything about life is like that. He said, I am not going to doubt God's word, my father's word. Number two, I have not yet heard his word. That's interesting. Jesus did not change the stones into bread because he had not yet heard the father's word. Why? He, had heard, he said, I will not doubt my father's word because my father said I am the son of God and I have not yet heard my father's word. Heard my father's word about what? To do this. Because what did Jesus say? I want you to go to John chapter 5 verse 19. He said, I only do what I see my father do. 
Jesus never did a single act on earth without seeing his father do in the spirit. So while he is looking at those round stones and he's telling to himself, this is good food. I have a need and I have faith. But my father has not told me yet. You see that thing? I am not seeing my father do it in the spirit. I am not seeing it. But I am hungry. So Satan uses that moment and he says, you, Are you really the son of God? Then you might have seen the father do. Because here is an opportunity. So he is now, Jesus correcting, self-correcting himself. He says, no, 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 no. My father just told me that I am the son of God. So I am going to believe that. And I don't see my father doing it in the spirit and turning the stones into bread. So I'm not going to do it. But you're still hungry. I don't care. But you're still hungry. I don't care. But I don't see my father saying it so. That brings to your biggest point. The way Jesus answered the devil is so powerful. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Unless I hear from my father, I am not going to live by it. Unless I hear from my father, I am not going to live by it. You know, the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone. It is not a suggestion. It is not like man may not live by bread alone. It's not like... Let me reword it. Man shall not, will not, not allowed to, is decreed not to live by bread alone. It's, I want you to get that sense of that command. It's a command my God saying that man shall not means he will not be able even if he wanted to. Do you know, is it true or not? Remember in the first in the first garden, Aden, he had everything that they needed for life, correct? Every fruit of every tree, everything was provided. Yet they also needed what? To live. They needed the word of God. How? Fellowship. No, not fellowship. You're talking about Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve. They, they had bread, correct? In the garden. But they also needed the word of God. The Where was the word? From fellowshipping with God, God in the cool of the day. Right. Every yes. And God telling him, you cannot eat of that tree. Why? For God, for, for, I mean, just think of the logic of it. I mean, why does God have to put a tree out there for him not to eat? Why? I mean, just remove the tree and all is well. Let the guy eat. But God's plan was never for man only to eat and live. No, 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 no. As you said, God wanted him to fellowship with him and to know and to live by his word and not by just every tree. So he had to put a tree there because he wanted man to fellowship with him and then know, God, so should I eat of this tree? No. That tree? Yes, son, you can eat of everything, but not that tree. Thank God. Thank you. Because he heard the word. You see, man shall not live by bread alone. And we studied about this passage. We had an incredible session once which we had studied saying man shall not live by bread alone. It was a powerful session. In fact, you know where this verse comes from? Man shall not live by bread alone. It comes from Deuteronomy 
chapter uh, remember what, uh, when God fed the Israelites manna Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, and I'll read it. He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, that he might make you known that man shall not live by bread alone. He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, so that he will make, that you might know that man shall not live by bread alone. I mean, we studied that, and we don't have time this session to go into it. It is so funny. It is, it is one of those only things that God can only make logic appear like this. He feeds you with food, to prove it to you that you cannot live by food. But if you go back, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to my mind. Why will he feed you food to prove to you that you cannot live by food? But that was not the point. If you go back to the, the, uh, the, the, the manna incident, and that is in Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 to 30, the whole incident of manna was not just about manna. What was it about? Correct. What? Obedience to his word, his dictate. Like what dictates? Well, only collect what you yeah. need today. Yeah. Collect twice as much. Right. As you awesome. You got it. You got it. It was not about manna. It was about clear, precise instructions that they had to follow in collecting the manna. Manna was just an excuse for God to prove to you whether you will keep my detailed instructions. So let me repeat the instructions and we got that session out here. Okay. You have will, people shall go out. You will not get the manna inside your house. You will have to go out. People shall gather. It will not just fall on you. You will have to collect it. Only a certain quota that you may collect. You will not collect more. You will not collect less. You will do it every day. You will not stop. You will not leave anything until morning. You will eat everything in the same day. You will do it every morning. You will not do it in the afternoon. You will not do it on the seventh day. Because, so they were very clear instructions. And every time, <laughs> the funny part is, they broke each one. Each one they broke. And God was telling, can't you keep my law? And what? And then he's saying, I'm, I gave this manna to you to prove to you that you cannot live by bread you shall not live by bread alone. You need my word. He is designed as it. No wonder millionaires who have everything they live in life, they still lack, right? Because they don't have the word of God. Some of the rich guys. I always wonder why the Hollywood stars, they have the most beautiful wives and yet they lust after the most... Ugly women. Ugly women. I mean, just the concept of it. Why? Man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is provision. Everything you need for life. No, no, no. But you also need my word. You can have everything you need for life, but you'll be empty because I have just designed you, boy, like that. You cannot get away from that fact. Whether you are a believer or not, you cannot live by bread alone. You shall not. It has been decreed. Is there an English word called worded? There's a worded. I have worded it in, in the law that you shall not live by bread alone. So don't waste your life just seeking after provision because your provision is not there. So Jesus said, I don't care even if I'm hungry. But I know what is important. I have to live by God's word. My word, I do not, I will not doubt his word and I do not hear his word. I do not doubt his word. I do not hear his word. Man, if you can just live by those two principles, your life will be much easier. I do not hear God's leading right now, so I'm going to hold back. 
I, I believe the last thing that he said, so I'm not going to doubt. Man, if you just follow these two things, it'll keep you in check for everything in your life. You're making a decision about your life, I've not heard yet from the Lord, so I'm not going to take a decision. Or, I've heard what he said already, so I'm not going to change my faith, whether things appear. So, let, so what happens? Everything else will then start aligning to what you believe. You got it? Everything. Once you have that uh, fundamental principle that I will not live by bread alone, I will live by every word, all your circumstances will align. I'm telling you, it will align. For a season, it will appear as if it doesn't, but give it time, it will align. It will align. It will align. And it is those seasons of no, no, it's those seasons where manifestations doesn't occur is when the enemy comes to you. When did the enemy come to Jesus? When the angels were not there, correct? So there was a season when his fast had ended, but the food had not appeared. That are the seasons that you need to be very careful in your life. Beware of the voice of the enemy. For he comes at a time such as these to, to doubt you. Do not, 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 do not listen to him. So what do you do? You listen to the last word that God spoke. But Anil, that is just six months back. I've not heard everything since. That's fine. Believe that word. When in doubt, believe the last word. Can you repeat after me? When in doubt, believe the last word. I have not received a fresh word from me. I don't care. Be obedient to the last word. Correct? Be obedient to the last word. Why do you think he was tempted 40 days in the wilderness? Because 40 days was challenging. It was a time of no fellowship. He was praying, he was praying, but he was tempted constantly. He was in struggle. But he said, no, my father said so, I'm not going to change it. It's written. It's written. I don't feel like it, but it's written. It is written. You can win every battle against the enemy by saying this one word. It has been written. It has been worded. It has been decreed. I'm not going to change so. Amen? Amen. So that was the first temptation. Lust of the flesh. We have two more to go. Okay, one more verse. If, you want, if you're taking notes, you can write it down. I believe not because I am fed. I believe because I am led. I want you to write. I believe not because I am fed. I believe because I am led. You do not believe just because you are fed and your provision is met. No, 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 no. You believe because God is leading me and He is showing me through the word. I believe because of that. Not because... My, and these started that last time. Signs... Great signs do not necessarily. What is the word? Let me repeat. Great signs do not necessarily lead to great revelation. <laughs> great revelation leads to great signs. Remember Nathaniel when Nathaniel saw Jesus on the first day that Jesus saw him. Jesus told Nathaniel what? I saw you, I saw you under the tree. No great sign. No big deal. What did Nathaniel respond? Truly, you are the son of God, the coming Messiah, the one to come. <laughs> he gave the whole nine yards what Peter needed three years to recite, right? And then what did Jesus say? You believe me just because I told you that you were under the tree? You will greater science than these you shall see. You will see angels ascending and descending. What are you saying? You will see manifestations like you never believed so because you believed. Your spectacular will catch up to the believer. 
but the believer does not need to be lured by the spectacular. Remember that. The spectacular will always catch up to the believer. So I'm saying is, is your business down? Don't worry. You hold on to the promise. It will be great. It will happen. The, the millions will come. The millions will come. Your health will spring forth speedily. It will come. Do not give up because man shall not live by bread alone. That word is wrong in a sense because it doesn't give justice. It's almost like saying God commanding and saying, you have no right to just live by bread. You shall only live by my word because my word will supply you my bread. Got that. Okay. And let me repeat one more verse, one more st- sentence. If you don't do what you can in disobedience, then you will do what you couldn't in obedience. Uh, it's hard, a little bit tricky. If you don't do what you can in disobedience, then you will do what you couldn't in obedience. Uh, Jesus could turn the stones into bread, right? In disobedience. He could do that, correct? But he didn't do. Because he didn't do that, he could do what he could never do afterwards. When Remember the wedding of Cana? He couldn't turn the stones into bread, but he could turn water into wine. The first miracle was a direct antithesis of the first temptation. He could not change the bread into stones into bread, but he could change the water into wine. Why? Because he didn't do what he could do in disobedience, because therefore he could do what he couldn't do in obedience. He couldn't do the water into wine, but he believed God. And therefore he is able to do the water into wine. He will do it. Therefore you can do it in your own life. When things are easy in your flesh to do it, don't do it. Because God has not told you. Relax. But then what? You, you suffer a season of lack? So be it. I don't care. I'm going to wait for my season. But when my season comes, there will be so much wine. There will be so much wine. Not only I am fed, the whole village will be fed. If Jesus had turned the bread into or stones into bread, who would be fed? Him. Because he didn't do so, who was fed? Everybody. Everybody. The whole village was fed. Everybody. The servants, the groom, the whole nine yards. Everybody got fed with the wine. You were walking obedience. And in fact, when, when, when Mary came and told Jesus, they have run out of wine, do something. What did Jesus say? Jesus said the same thing. I mean, it's not recorded, but he implied the same thing. He said, I have not heard the word of God. Then he turned around and then Mary went away. Then what happened? God showed him in the spirit. Water filled up the jars and Jesus said, Wow, my time has come. Wow, can you imagine the Jesus excitement? I mean, he's been waiting 30 years for the signs to start, right? And he's, and he's saying, Jesus, God, is it you? And he says, son, it is me and I'm doing it. So can I start? He said, son, go ahead, right ahead. I'm here, man. What are you waiting for? Jesus, fill the walls, fill the jars with water. And he could see it in the spirit, the water turning into wine. He could see it. And that was glorious, amen? That was glorious because now he heard God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. 
and I hear God's word, and I hear God's word, water will turn into wine. There's no wine right now, but every water will turn. So if your business is down, or your health is down, or your job is down, I'm telling you, it's a season to rejoice, for your word has come for you. And when the word comes, your situation will change. You just believe it. You do not give up. Just because Satan uh, you know, lies to you, do not believe that Satan. He comes in a season where there is no manifestation because he wants you to doubt. Amen? Amen. Okay. The second temptation. We'll quickly go there. Luke chapter 4. What is the second one? The kingdoms. And the devil took him up on a high mountain. It says exceedingly high mountain. <laughs> we talked about this message thing before. There is no exceedingly high mountain in Israel. There is no exceedingly high mountain in Israel. So where did he take him? He took him in the spirit. He took him in the spirit far above and showed him kingdoms past and present and future. And showed him what? Also with the kingdoms. What did he show? The glory of it. He showed him glory. I'm talking about glory. I mean real glory. Real glory kingdom. Not just ugly looking kingdoms. He counts the whole kingdoms into such beautiful, glorious picture of glory, of kingdoms and power. He showed it all to Jesus. He showed it all. He didn't show him all the wickedness and the evil and the death and the destruction and the divorce and the disease and everything. He didn't show that. What did he show him? The glory. What was he trying to appeal to? His eyes. He's telling him, just look at it, Jesus. Just look at it. And he's not talking to Jesus the God. He's not the Son of God. It's Jesus the man. He's saying, I can give you all this. I can give you everything. I know you come into the world for this. I can give you all this because it has been delivered to me. I can give you all this. I can give you all this glory. Everything. He's trying to appeal to Jesus' sense of eyes completely. He's showing the glory like he never seen before. You know, when we were in Orlando, initially when we came into the Magic Kingdom and to these uh, parks, you're like, wow. After the second day, I'm looking at the the conveyor belt that is going, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the grease that is running. What conveyor You know, I mean, if you're sitting in the ride, you're looking at the chain, you're seeing how it operates. If you're looking at the castle, I'm looking at the wood that is it made of, you know. After some time, the glory has disappeared. Now I'm looking at how is this thing made, you know. <laughs> then what happens? The fun is gone, you know. <laughs> and I'm on the soaring ride, I'm looking at how it is connected, you know. And I'm, and I'm looking at the... Uh, when I'm looking at the when the wind flowing in the back, I'm looking at where is the blower coming from? <laughs> the, the sense of wonder is lost. And then I'm like, it's not that great, you know. I mean, it can be better. Maybe we didn't have to wait seventy minutes for a ride that took you up in the air. <laughs> you know, don't you think that? And then you're looking at Mickey Mouse, and you're like, which is the clown who's sitting in that costume? You know. <laughs> and you look at the. Uh, the lady who's dressed up like Anna, she has got a part-time job. I don't, you know, <laughs> the whole glory is lost because it's the center of it not because you, it's deception, correct? Technically, all of Orlando is deception, right? There's really nothing out there because everything is made, you know, and there is 
just after you leave the park, there are these hundred workers who come and clean this place, and you know, it's not a real castle, and you know, it's all deception. So, so did the kingdoms of the world. Everything that Jesus saw was deception. Everything. It was glorious, but it was all not real. It was all a deception. And then Jesus responds. So powerful. What did Jesus say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you shall not. When Jesus looked at it, what did Jesus think? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I admit it. These kingdoms look great. Again, just like the first temptation, was there a need for a transition of the ownership of these kingdoms? Yes. Yes. Look at it. The temptations in itself is intrinsically not evil. There was a need for bread. There is a need for the own transference of ownership of kingdoms. And Satan is trying to get you to get to the same means that God wants you in your life, but follow him. He wants the same goals for you. He wants the same goals for you that God has. Interesting, right? He has the same goals for you. God was going to anyway transfer all the kingdoms of this world to Jesus, correct? He tempts him with that. He says, I will give you, but you just worship me. And Jesus says, I mean, I am confused. I can see everything beautiful, everything looks great, but I have to bow down to you. Now that doesn't make sense. Because what? It is written. It is decreed. I don't feel, I don't care what I feel right now. I want those kingdoms, but I'm not going to go by that. Because it is written. When everything is in doubt, trust the word. When everything in your life is upside down, trust the word. Do not change the word to trust, to align to your circumstances. Oh, so many believers. When, when your healing doesn't come immediately, I think it's God's plan for me to be disturbed in my disease. Where does God say it in his word? No, he doesn't. Do not change the word of God to match your circumstances. So what happens? It's not manifested. I don't care. But my healing is coming. Amen? Amen? My baby is coming. My wealth is coming. My prosperity is coming. My victory is coming. My family is coming. My wife is coming. My children are coming. So it's always like that. You walk in faith. Do not... Do not, as believers, change your, the word to match your circumstances. Do not. It's just like Jesus at this point, he says, I don't care, the kingdoms look great, but it is written that I shall not serve no man, no, only serve God. Okay, I'm going to make a statement out here, just like we, we talked about it before. The glory that you perceive is greater than the glory that you see. In this world, the glory that you that you that is revealed that you perceive is greater than the glory that you actually see in this world. It's a fact. The glory that's where do you know that? I want you to go to First uh, Corinthians chapter two verses nine and ten, and we all know that verse. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard what what God has prepared for those who love Him. And then he goes on to make a next statement. What did he say? So most, most of us, we know the first verse, but we don't know the next verse. So what we always understood that, and we talked about it before, is said that 
God has prepared such beautiful things for us that we have we our eyes cannot see and our ears cannot hear. But you know, God has not just kept it for that. He also did something else. What did he do? Next verse. But he's revealed it to our spirit. In the next verse. But he's revealed it to our spirit. So if you cannot see, the problem is because you are seeing with your eyes. You start seeing with your spirit, you can see what God has prepared for you. But Anil, I cannot see it right now. Stop seeing. And start seeing. <laughs> Stop seeing with your physical eyes and start seeing with your spiritual eyes. Close your eyes. Imagine the victories ahead. Believe you're a victory. I mean, so you start believing and seeing in your spirit. You have to see it. Now, if you're asking for health, see yourself healed. Can you see yourself healed in your in your spiritual eyes? Can you see yourself healed? See yourself. Look and look what God has prepared for you. See it. See it. But it's an exercise that you have to do. You have to see it in your spirit because God has revealed. Now, is the word of God lying? No. So if I am not seeing it and the word of God said that he has already shown it to my spirit, then the problem is where? The problem is because I am not seeing it because I have not opened my spiritual eyes. Revelation. Revelation. The glory that you perceive is greater than the glory that you see. So when Jesus, when Satan was attacking him with this temptation, what was Jesus saying? Huh? Yeah, but what was he seeing? Oh man, he, he was saying, you are showing me the stinking glory of these kingdoms. Wait till you see what I see. I see a glorious God far above all heavens who created the universe. A thousand king, million kingdoms, the stars in all his glory, the glory that you have never seen for eternity to eternity. I see all that and you are going to tempt me with this. Try again. Try again, because he saw. Let, let me repeat, uh, let me say one thing. It takes, it takes, it takes, now this is difficult for you to gain that. It takes as, as much faith to believe in the enemy, in Satan, as much as it takes to believe in God. So why oblige? <laughs> let me repeat. And it's a fact. It takes as much faith to believe in the enemy as much it takes to believe in God. So why oblige? Why oblige whom? Why oblige the enemy? How do we do that? Because Jesus said, it only takes faith as small as a mustard seed. Correct? It only takes faith as small as a mustard seed. It doesn't take great faith in God. It doesn't take great faith in in fact, it might take more faith in the enemy. So why oblige? So next time he comes and tells you lies, tell him, you know what? I need great faith to believe in what you say. I also need great faith to believe in what God says. Let me rather just spend more time <laughs> having faith in God than having faith in you. I need faith to believe in you too, right? To believe the enemy needs faith. It needs faith. You need faith. Now check yourself. Every fear that you have, you believe before you see it, correct? You see it. You see it. You feel it. <laughs> you know. Uh, you feel it. You can sense it. You know. It's like, man, I'm not even there. You know. You shiver out here. You know, just the thought of that evil report. You know, just thought. You feel the whole thing. You know, you're almost gone down there. You know. 
Uh, Tom was talking about his swimming experiences. It's almost like that. You know, six feet or seven feet or hundred feet is the same thing for a guy who swims, right? Because you're not going to go down to the eight, 200 feet bottom to come up, right? You just dunk down maybe one feet and come back up. But the sense of fear, because it takes faith to believe that, you know, 200 feet is more dangerous than 50 feet. Now, what's the logic about it? <laughs> you, know? you touch the ground faster than 50 feet than you No, but you're, you're not going to. I mean, 50 feet and 100 feet doesn't matter. It's double, it's like the, the, it's double the depth. Yeah, but how? You're going to sink either way if you don't want to swim. But you, you have a better chance of coming up with a touching ball. Actually, no, because it's exactly water. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Again, we remember Peter walking on the water. We talked about it. Does it take great faith to walk on water on stormy water, stormy weather, or quiet waters? <laughs> it takes the same faith. Just because it is stormy, can, if it's calm waters, can I walk on it? I can't. And if it is stormy, can I walk on it? I can't. So why did Peter lose his faith just because he saw some storms? <laughs> he never started walking on it because he could walk. Illogical. Faith in the devil is as illogical. So why oblige? Why oblige the enemy? Why oblige the enemy? Do not oblige the enemy. Do not have faith in him. You know? So next time he brings fear, you say, I do not have faith in you. I have, I'm a man of less faith. And personally, I cannot have faith in you. I do not have that much faith. So I don't have faith in what you say. No, no, but he's confused then. You try talking to him like that, he'll be more confused. I do not have faith in what you just brought to me. This evil report of the doctor, I do not even have any faith in him. And he's like, he wants you to get to fear him. Because if you fear him, he can bring upon you. Remember when Jesus was told the disciples, I'm going to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to die and the chief priests are going to kill me. Immediately Peter started counseling Jesus and told him what? Far be it from you, Lord, that these things shall happen to you. What is Jesus, uh, Peter trying to do? Stop him from going. Yeah, what did Jesus tell Peter? Wow, he changed his whole name. He said, get behind me, Satan, because what is Satan trying to do there? Put fear in him. Not only interfering with the plan of God, but he was, inter he was trying to have Jesus operate by fear. And if Jesus had gone to Jerusalem in fear, you know what? He would have not risen. Satan is deceiver. He wants to. He wants to accomplish. He wants to kill Jesus. Any case, but he wants Jesus to go in fear to Jerusalem. But Jesus said, "No, no, 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 no. You do not know the plans of God. I know the plans of God, and I'm going there in faith. I know what will happen. I'm not going to be afraid." And Jesus uh, talks to the disciples and he goes back and says, no, don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of all this in the next, next couple of verses. So, you shall not serve no other God. So, do not oblige the enemy. The final temptation, the pride of life. If you are the son of God, the, the enemy took Jesus to a very high temple, the temple, and he said, throw yourself down from here. And what, is, what was the enemy trying to accomplish? To make Trying to kill him, but what was the temptation? To call your angels to save you. Yeah, he's quoting the Bible. He's saying Psalms 91. It says, no. It is written that the angels shall save you. 
save you. But Jesus says what? Jesus replied, he says, it is written again. He's saying, I agree what Psalms 91 says, but it's also written. It is also written. So the operative word is what? Also, also written. It is not only written that I will be taken care of by the angels, but it's also written that I shall not test my God. I shall not test my God. Now, where did Jesus, where did, where did uh, this verse come from? You shall not test your Lord, your God. I want you to go to Exodus chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 66, verse 16. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted me in Massa. Okay, Exodus chapter 17. What happened in Massa? In that temptation? What happened in temptation in Massa? What happened? Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Is it where they made the golden calf? No. Is it where they wanted meat? No. This was the place where all the congregation of Israel, they camped, but there was no water for the people to drink. Oh yeah, the stone. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Or why do you test the Lord? Now, God from this follows the law saying that you shall not test the Lord just like you tested at Massa. What is he trying out to say? Verse 7. So I ca he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because the contention of the Lord, children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord saying what? Us or not. The testing, the word test, tempting is really the word testing. What was he saying? He tested the Lord saying what? Is the Lord among us or not? Do we ever test the Lord saying that, Are you Lord around here? Are you here? Are you, are you around here? I mean, are you here in this place? That is testing the Lord. Saying, you shall not test the Lord saying what? Is the Lord among us or not? And I'm going to make a statement. I want you to hear again. Now this is, this is, this is true. God's presence, provision and your acceptance of you is not fruit by his immediate gratification of your anxious thoughts but by your acknowledgement of his past faithfulness and your continued supplications in faith with thanksgiving. Okay, it's a long sentence but let me come to help you. God's presence, provision and acceptance of you is not fruit by his Immediate gratification of your anxious thoughts. What does gratification mean? Means just because you have an anxious thought and God says, Here, my boy, I'll cup provide. No. God's presence is not proved by that. It's not. And most believers get this wrong. Just because you have an anxious thought and God, God doesn't come for you right away, you immediately say, What? God. God's not real. It's not real. God's not here. And when, God, when you do that, you are exactly doing what the Israelites said. They are saying, you are testing God, saying, is he amongst us or not? Why? 
Why did God use that example very severely at the presence of Masa? You know what happened? Just one chapter back, what was the miracle? No. No. Manna. God had just provided manna. And God had told them one more thing. God told them that. And Moses told Aaron, take a pot. And put an omer of manna in it. And lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. Why? <laughs> Why do you have to take a pot of manna and keep it for your generations? Why? Because every time you have an anxious thought and you doubt whether God is in your presence, go look at the pot. Listen. Go look at the pot. Why look at the pot? To remind yourself that God is in our midst. He provided manna. So let me repeat that sentence. God's presence, provision and acceptance of you is not proved by his immediate gratification of your anxious thoughts. But it is proved by what? By your acknowledgement of his past faithfulness and your continued supplications in faith with thanksgiving. How do you know that? Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. He said, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, present your request unto God. The New Testament has the answer to anxious thoughts. Every time you have an anxious thought, do what? Remember what he has done. <coughs> Bring the request to God and in faith and thank him. And then what God says, leave it to me and, and I will provide. But it's not happened now. Relax. Didn't I tell you, leave it to me and I will provide. Why? Did the water uh, come ultimately? The water did come. God told Moses, take the rock. And, <laughs> and the fun part is, look at the verse. And the Lord, and, and Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what am I, what shall I do with these people? They are ready, they are almost ready to stone me. I mean, they are ready to stone the one guy who can help them. I mean, he is the guy who got them across the Red Sea, provided manna, got them through everything, and now they want to stone him. I mean, talk about <coughs> preservation of resources. <laughs> I mean, one resource you have to preserve, it should be Moses, correct? I mean, why stone that guy? No, it doesn't make sense. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of the of Israel, and also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river. Struck the river. Take what? Take what with you? Take the rod with which you struck the river. Why? Why? Why take that? Why take that same rod? In case you forgot. In case you forgot, let me remind. I can deliver then. I can deliver now. That's the same case. And the water came. Water came. Water will always come. The delay was just another, another test. Delay is always a test. It is nothing more. The miracle will come. It always comes. It always comes. So God's presence and provision for you is not proved by His immediate gratification. For all you can remember is that just because it doesn't happen right away, it doesn't prove anything. 
You just believe. You just believe. You just believe in faith. It will happen. Is the Lord amongst us? Never again in your life should ever say, Is the Lord amongst us? Never ever. Never ever. Never ever say, Am I valued with God? Why is it all this happening to me? Am I... Is God accepted me? Don't banish that thought. Of all the thoughts, do not ever say, Is the Lord with me? Do not ever say, God is with you. Why? Look at the pot. Look at the pot. Your past faithfulness, God has brought you fast. Trust Him. So that was the first thing. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Jesus said, No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Because it says, I shall not tempt the Lord. I know. The Lord will provide His angels. Psalms 91 is as true to me, to the devil as it to me. He believes it, I believe it. Psalms 91, if there is one Psalms that the enemy believes, it's Psalms 91. He quotes it. Psalms 91 says that he will provide angels all around you. No destruction shall come near you. You don't have to be a member of the NRA to get along. What is NRA? The National Rifles Association to be safe? No. You have Psalms 91. The Psalms 91 is enough. You can live by it. Jesus lived by Psalms 91 all throughout his life. Every time they wanted to stone him, Jesus used Psalms 91. He would walk past by them. Why? Just because he was God? No. He, what do you think he was quoting? Psalms 91? Thousand may fall on the right side and the left side, but shall come not come near me. And he kept walking. He used scripture. He lived on scripture all throughout his life. He walked. Nothing could touch him. Nothing could touch him because he believed. In fact, he told Pilate, what did he say? Do you think I cannot call upon a legion of angels right now to deliver me from you? Because he believed. Where did he get that verse promised from? Psalms 91. He says, so I can call upon a legion of angels right now to deliver me, but I'm not going to call. Because he knew all of heaven was just waiting for angels at his command. Go! You know, it's like, Woo! It would be a, like a, You know how much is the legion of angels? 5,000. Huh? Five. How much? 5,000. 500,000. No. 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 A legion is 6,852. I don't know. That is a legion of Roman soldiers. So that, a legion, there would be 6,000 angels just waiting on this command to come. And Jesus believed Psalms 91. But he says, at this point of time, I'm not going to invoke Psalms 91. Because I'm going to test him. Because I know I'm already the son of God. You are the son of God. Pride of life. Pride of life. Pride of life. I don't know, we don't have too much time. But let me close with this. There's a little bit of a treatise on who Satan is. And I'll close with that. I want you to just listen to it. It's not a great idea to have a Bible study on Satan, but sometimes it's good to, good to know Satan, uh, what he does. Satan is a created being. He's cunning. He operates by deception. He's cursed. He has everlasting hatred and enmity towards you. He, but he is now lower than all created beings because God said that you are cursed and on the belly of your... On your belly you shall creep all the days of your life. Why does he say that? Because you are going to be lower than all the beasts. He is now lower than all created beings. His head is bruised, so his end is near. 
only way he can exercise dominion is over all who are subject to him who obey him and worship him he is he is a creature of instinct and he is not spiritually alive since his spirit is dead so he only operates by what he sees and hears so keep your mouth shut do not confess things that you don't want him to hear and do not confess things that he can take hold of and use it against you so keep your mouth shut if you keep your mouth shut he'll be confused he lives breathes and eats a lie since he is a father of lies his only goal is to steal kill and destroy he hides his goals from even unregenerated men why because god has put eternity in the hearts of men even unregenerated men believers non believers even god satan never comes and tempts an unbeliever saying that you know what i want to put cancer on you are you tempted by cancer he doesn't why because even unregenerated men have eternity in their hearts and they don't want death so he hides his goals even from unregenerated men so what he does he deceives he is subject to the same spiritual laws that you and i are and hence he exalts he gets his goals done by having you fight god and disobey god's laws and reap the judgment he is no create he's he doesn't have anything new that he can do he can only cause you to fight god and receive the judgment correct he uses you to fight god since he is a deceiver he always appears as an angel of light he was once exalted but he is now is fallen he craves worship obedience and service and those who do he does not treat kindly so funny he wants worship he wants service he wants obedience but the ones who actually do that for him he does not even treat them kindly he kills them finally he is physically limited and he and he is dependent upon his vast army of angels to hold his kingdom together but ever since a tomb has opened up in jerusalem 2000 years back his kingdom is in chaos he has no place to hide and his prisoners are breaking free every day he hates all men but nothing incenses him more than somebody taking the glorious name of jesus he was and still is your adversary and a lion and a beast but his roar is all that he has left over those who believe so do not entertain him do not play with him do not frolic with him and keep him where he belongs under his feet why because it is written because it is written would written what romans chapter 16 verse 20 says my god of peace shall crush satan underneath your feet it is written it is written every time the enemy comes at you say to him what say to him what it is written it is written it is written it is written i am healed therefore i am healed it is written i am prosperous therefore i am prosperous it is written i am whole i am whole it is written that i am victorious therefore i am victorious i am not going to believe what you say to me i'm not going to believe because it is written it's written that i'm free it's written that i'm free it is written that i am free right now hallelujah hallelujah so let not the enemy deceive you any further tell him i can overcome you any day and every day because it is written let's do what jesus did can you overcome you overcome by saying it is written it is written why don't we just come i shall just worship let's just pray right now
Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your eternal 
or master anything that the enemy throws at us has no effect on us, O oh Lord, because we are redeemed by your blood, O oh Lord. O oh Master, Father, give us wisdom to understand his schemes, O oh Jesus. Help us to live by the word, O oh Master. Everything that you have learned today, O oh Lord, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out from you, O oh Master. Lord, let us not change our word based on our circumstances, but let us believe your word, O oh Master, that our circumstances will have to be subject to your word, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, we worship you, Lord. Lord, Father, if the enemy comes to us in times of lack, on, in times of quietness, oh, Master, give us wisdom to perceive it, oh, Master. Help us to believe, oh, Lord, your word, oh, Master. Father, to know that you will never leave us or forsake us, oh, Master. You will never leave us, oh, Master. <coughs> Lord, help us to have faith, oh, Master. <coughs> help us to have faith. Faith, oh, Master. Faith, oh, Lord. Faith, O oh Master. Faith, O oh Master. Faith, O oh Jesus. Faith, O oh Jesus. Faith, O oh Master. Faith, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, help us not to be anxious about everything in life, O oh Jesus. Help us to know, Master, that you have provided for our every need, O oh Jesus. O oh Master, now we take authority standing on your word, O oh Master, for your word says, O oh Lord, Satan is crushed underneath our feet, O oh Jesus. Therefore, Lord, we speak to every principality and power, O oh Lord, that is tormenting the families in our life team. We speak to it in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Every demonic power that seeks to destroy, steal, kill, and rob, I speak to you. Leave right now in Jesus' name. Leave right now in Jesus' name. For we speak the name of Jesus. And in that name, Jesus, we have authority and power and victory. And Father, great days are ahead for us, O Lord. For we have been called to redeem this world, O Lord, in your name, O Jesus. We shall go out and redeem men for your name's sake, O Jesus. We shall walk in your gospel with your truth, O Master. And Father, we shall see signs and wonders follow after your word, O Jesus. O Master. Touch our children, O Master. Touch our children, O Lord. Lord, birth in them a hunger to seek after God, O Master. Lord, let them have the faith that comes from you, O Jesus. Let them be able to have faith, O Lord, even as they lay their hands, O Lord. Father, they see signs and wonders manifest through the hands of these little children, O Master. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Master. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Father, free us, O Lord, and protect us from every lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, O oh Jesus. O oh Father, we humble ourselves before your mighty hand, O oh Lord, because we know that you will exalt us, O oh Master, and give us victory, O oh Lord. Victory, O oh Master. Victory, O oh Jesus. Victory, O oh Master. Victory, O oh Jesus. Oh, Father, we praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. For the Lord told me that he is going to visit three families today. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, he is going to visit three families. He will visit one family and rebuke the devourer. He will visit one family and rebuke the devourer. He will visit another family and heal their disease. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will visit one family and heal their disease. He will visit one family and heal their disease. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus, for healing their disease, O Master. Thank you, Jesus, for healing their disease, O Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for healing their disease. Oh, and he said that he will visit another family and give them hope. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Lisa, Lisa and Sabu, the Lord says that God is going to give you hope. Hope for a future. If you have felt hopeless in the days past, God says, I'm going to birth new hope in your life, says the Lord. For you have said that I have given up hope. It will never happen. But Lord says, do not say to me that I am a hopeless one. But I am the one who has birthed hope in you. I am the Lord who is going to redeem you. I am the Lord who is going to manifest such abundant grace that you will say, why am I deserving of such grace in this life? But the Lord says that I am going to visit you in these days, says the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Master. Master, Hallelujah. Jerry and Helen, the Lord says that He is going to clean up disease from your lives. In your families. But the Lord says, Jerry, that I call upon you to take my name freely against the enemy every time he comes with disease. I want you to take my name of my son, Yeshua, every time. And you shall be a gardener for your vineyard, says the Lord. And every time you raise the name of Jesus, the enemy will shall leave, says the Lord. And you shall call upon me as Yeshua the healer. And I will come forth as Yeshua the healer for your family, says the Lord. Believe me and believe me and trust me, says the Lord. For I am not a healer of past, but I am a healer that is present and in your future. That he is not only healed you of your diseases, but even the diseases that the enemy seeks to bring upon you. He shall redeem you and keep you away, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Master. Can I have Jill and, uh, Jill and uh, Anthony? You want to come? Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Father, we thank you, Lord, because according to your promise, you are here, O oh Jesus. Oh, Master, you are visiting families, O oh Lord, this evening time. Oh, Master, your word says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I mean your presence. Father, you are God. You are here. Yeshua, you are here right now. Oh, Father. Father, why don't you stretch your hands towards Jill and Anthony? The, the Lord is going to rebuke the devourer in this couple's life. Rebuke the devourer in your life, says the Lord. 
for the past many years you have filled your jaws with pebbles hoping that the water will rise but it has not risen for the best and most broken season for I am going to be uniting in ways like you never thought before and because I am uniting you says the Lord the enemy has no advantage against you and the things that have been broken I am going to repair and when the waters now shall now flow it shall hold says the Lord and it shall overflow to abundance says the Lord I declare their property off limits to the enemy, says I call forth the business of Anthony to spring forth speedily, says Father, I declare your name upon this family and upon your children. Any curse upon this family be limited, broken right now. Every generational curse upon this family be called forth as be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. God will declare the name of Jesus. Jesus upon his hands. For you shall receive a letter, says the Lord, in this, this week. And you shall know that that's a baby of the miracles that shall now flow in your life. For the plans for you that I have for you is for you to prosper. So therefore clean up your tongue, says the Lord. Not say that I am of the lost. Say that I am the redeemed, I am the victorious. I am a believer, I am a believer, I am called to work. For he has not called you to be defeated, but to be an overcome in this life. And I shall cause families to flow out from your bosom, and you shall be a blessing to many families in this life, says the Lord. For you shall communicate correctly, says the Lord Job. You shall. For you shall testify of my deeds and my victories with great joy. And seasons of rest are like waves upon your lives. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we as a life team, we just agree with, with them, O oh Master. We declare it so. You have called it so, and therefore we declare it so. For your word says that we shall live by every word that proceeds out from the mouth of God. We thank you, O oh Jesus. O oh Father, we pray for every family that is here, O oh Lord. We pray for Arun and Marsha and for their baby, O oh Jesus. We thank you for the word that is manifested in their lives, O oh Master. We pray for Tom, O oh Lord. We nullify every evil plan and every evil report that the enemy has against him. I rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. O Karama Sili Kresi. I see clean pictures, says the Lord. I see, see clean pictures, O oh Master. O oh Master. Thank you, Jesus. I Father, we see clean pictures, O oh Lord, for him, O oh Jesus. A bright future, O oh Lord. A future that is called for him to be a leader, O oh Master. Oh, Father, for you will lead our Bible study, says the Lord. To reach out to your generation and among your friends. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus, for everybody, oh Master. Thank you, Lord, for their lives. We worship you. We thank you, oh Jesus. Father, we vow to give you all the glory, oh Jesus. We vow to give you all the praise, oh Master. For you are worthy to be praised. You are the God of glory. Father, let this be a days of new beginnings, oh Lord. When we shall rejoice in the good things that you do in our life. For you fear you are visiting your families this year, oh Lord. Father, and we agree with you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.